Welcome to the gate, ladies and gentlemen. I am the host of the Free Range Mystics podcast, Caleb Lopez, and this week we have the incredibly talented CEO of Cuddly Cryptids. It was an honor to get to talk to her. I'm glad she had the time for me. If you haven't seen these things, they are awesome. Uh, I actually reached out to them because I love the product so much, and I thought it was just ridiculously adorable. Uh, Kayla was kind enough to speak with me for a little while. We did get off track a little bit, but that's how these things go. Uh, But at the end of the day, she was a really great person to speak to, and I really believe that she's got a quality product on her hand. Definitely check them out. Uh, The link for her website, cuddlycryptors.com, and her Instagram will be in the description of the show. But definitely stay tuned and listen to her, and thank you very much. And also, be safe out there, people. Wash your hands. about your company and what you're what you're set out to do Hmm. well i'm actually one of the only members of my company i do have someone who helps me we call him a consultant yeah essentially right at the moment all he does is like help approve of decisions but later down the road he might help me out with my money because i am not i don't really have the business background i'm more of an art background right all right so about the business itself the thing is is that i've always really liked monsters and i kind of want to express that in plush form since i've also always liked plushies it's sort of been a habit of mine and at one point it was actually kind of annoying that everything i drew turned cute not really the case anymore but i kind of still embrace it and like going like ter- making something out of turning monsters into plushies just seemed natural because I've always pretty much exclusively drawn monsters. So that's sort of how that idea came to be. Um, now, you went with the Wendigo for the first one, uh, and I know you mentioned that you have more in your in your uh, plans, but. Uh, the Wendigo was just a really interesting choice. Was there uh, a reason why you went with the Wendigo first? That is actually uh, a semi-long story. Hey, well, we have time, so let's hear I... it. Okay. So uh, the thing about Wendigo is that there were a few options that I could have gone for who my mascot would be, who would my front runner cryptid would be for the company. And I know Wendigo is kind of an odd choice because depending on who you ask, it's mythology or is it cryptid? To make thing to give myself freedom and to make things a little bit easier, my criteria for a cryptid is is there a sizable amount of people that actually believe the creature exists? Uh, if yes, then it's a cryptid. If not, then it's mythology. I'm pretty sure there's another official definition somewhere, but the thing about cryptozoology is that I believe it's considered a pseudoscience. Well, no, I agree with you. I mean, we're, we're not – look, I'm not, uh, not the kind of person that uh, needs to, like, cross my T's and dot my I's. I'm a little bit sloppier that way. So as far as, like, a layman's explanation of how just the best, you know, dif- differentiate between what a mythological being would be, like a minotaur – or a cryptid is like the chupacabra. I think your explanation is, um, or your 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 definition is perfect. Like, look, do people believe that there are minotaurs running around in a labyrinth somewhere? Probably not. Do they believe that there are wendigos 
out in the forest somewhere eating people, probably, right? So I think that's a really great uh, way to go about it. Uh, something I found kind of odd is, uh, well, mostly about myself, is that uh, the Wendigos that are considered cryptids are not the same as the Wendigo I drew. The Wendigo I drew is sort of like the West, the Western modern interpretation of what a Wendigo would look like, whereas the traditional realish Wendigo is actually more zombie-like, what like very white, very not small. I don't think. But they're more humanoid. I didn't go with that design because that looks way too much like <laughs> other creatures I would have in mind. So, like, I know SCPs don't really count as cryptids, but I could probably branch out there someday. There are a bunch of crypt, uh, not cryptids. There are a bunch of SCPs that look like classic Wendigos. So that's why I went with the modern Wendigo. Um, and for anybody who isn't familiar with what an SCP is, what is an SCP? So SCP is a branch of creepypasta. Uh, do you know what creepypasta is? Actually, I know probably more about SCP versus what creepypasta is. My my experience with creepypasta is more like uh, stuff like No Sleep, uh, submissions yes. from No Sleep, that kind of stuff. Right? But there's a few other ones out there that I'm familiar with. So SCP is a branch of creepypasta that is far more organized and far more uniform than creepypasta. SCP essentially tells the story of a of a worldwide laboratory that contains anomalous entities. So if you're familiar with the statue SCP-173, or maybe you're familiar with the indestructible lizard. Yeah. Probably not what he was called, but I forgot what the name was. Uh, 682. Or maybe you're familiar with the Plague Doctor, 049. Uh, those are all SCPs. I mean, uh, I, I'm, I think I want to go there someday. But the thing about SCP is that when it comes to stuff like marketing, when it comes to stuff like products, it's a very kind of morally weird area because there's no, no copyright protecting the monsters. Um. Well, you know, look... I think people would love to have an indestructible lizard, right? I forget, I forget what the SCP is, or I just said six eight two. Is it six eight two? Yeah, the indestructible lizard is six eight two. Right. So, uh, I, in either way, I think I think people would love to have it, but uh, I, I think you're I think you're on the right track there with uh, moving into some of the SCP territory. Not, you know what? Honestly, you could probably just reach out to the people who wrote those posts. And they probably yeah, would love the idea, I, you know. That's what I would want to do, but I would want certainty that I have the writer's consent to do this. Right. I, yeah, I just want to make sure that uh, the person's getting the respect they deserve because I believe it's kind of common in, like, when someone sort of outside that community takes advantage of that community. Like, it's actually happening right now where some dude in Russia was trying to copyright the SCP name. So he essentially has control over uh, what people write in Russia, which stands against what SCP is all about. Right. Um, now, a little bit back, uh, I want to backtrack more and uh, yeah. get back to back the Wendigo. Yeah, yeah. So how did you end up getting... Uh, so you went with the design choice of uh, 
I like it. I, I thought the Wendigo that you went with is a more, like you said, a, a Western style of Wendigo, but I still like it. It's got the more, um, it, it, it's got what it, it, what appeals to Western people. I think it's more, it looks tribal almost with the different parts of the animal, even though that's counterintuitive to what it would actually look like. So, but anyway, go ahead. Well, another thing, another thing is that I kind of tried to mix traits of the classical Wendigo and the modern Wendigo, but because the, the plushie is so kind of chibi-ish, it's very hard to tell what is what. Mm -hmm. Uh, but all I know is that, uh, many people who are extremely like protective of the Wendigo mythology, uh, they just don't like it when people give them antlers or make, give them animal like appearances. Yeah. But, but screw them. I mean, yeah, those people, <laughs> I don't think those people are really in, in my target demographic, yeah. especially since now, now, like if, if, if you're so like defensive over your, your like uh your mythologies then no one can ever do anything because if we if we just stuck with the traditional interpretation of european dragons well i guess we wouldn't have game of thrones then yeah you know or any culture's interpretation of a dragon um whether it be chinese or um any other feather dragon like you have in mexico that kind of stuff uh, oh, the yeah, like the feathered serpents. Um, I actually, that's actually on the list someday, but I think I might do tassel worm first. Is it so? Um, what are your favorite cryptids and kind of coming off of uh, the Wendigo? Like, what do you have? I mean, some of them would obviously probably be more difficult to do as a plus, but just in general, which ones do you like personally? Outside of turning them into a, uh, I can't. I kind of like most cryptids equally. That's pretty much it. But I guess if there's one I would like, like if I were to pick a second, it would probably be Mothman. But to be honest, that doesn't have much to do with the Mothman cryptid himself. More so just what I've seen people do with the Mothman thing. I yeah. just think it's kind of cute. Yeah, I, I think there's uh, definitely a lot of room that, I mean, it kind of... I mean, maybe not right now is the best time to uh, really start a new business. But I think for you, it's perfect because, you know, you don't have the pressure of maybe this. Like stockholders and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're The market is small and you're going to be able to, to, to market to a, a small group of people. It's just, um, you know the the types of products that you make are going to be what make people buy it. And that's really what attracted me to uh, the the plush that you have, because if for anybody who hasn't seen it, like it looks so cool. Like I immediately thought of, uh, you know what I wanted was like a little Godzilla and, you know, it, it made my imagination just start to, you know, rattle off of all these, uh, not necessarily cryptids, but things that from my childhood were, cool monsters, you know, because I also have a, yeah. a deep love for the monster. Um, Me too. And it's so seeing it right away, I was like, that's what I want. Like, I, I want tiny little cute versions of these horrifying creatures that fascinated me when I was a kid. I, 
I get that, and that's probably something I'll branch off into someday of not just sticking with, like, cryptids. Kind of like how a lot of sanctuaries named after one animal actually has, like, other animals. Here in Florida, we have a sanctuary I think is still open called Shy Wolf. They don't just have wolves. They have, like, Florida panthers and stuff. Um, so, I mean, maybe one day I could do, like, a like a line that involves Godzilla and Cthulhu. Yeah. Because my mom really likes Cthulhu. Uh, about that, so, you know, just being interested in that kind of stuff, Cthulhu and cryptids, that kind of thing, um, a lot of people aren't. So what kind of got you started down that road to begin with? Uh, the road of what? Just being interested in cryptids in general. Huh. It's kind of just something innate within me. I've like whenever when I was a kid, I would watch shows and movies and I would always like whichever character was non-human. Mm. I just never really liked human characters all that much. And because like my background is actually in animation, so even now I think in terms of animation. So like if I was like I was I didn't finish my story about why I picked Wendigo. It's because a lot of media that a lot of newer media that has monsters now include Wendigos or Wendigo like creatures. I believe over the garden wall, I have a poster right in front of me that you can't see because this is a podcast. Uh, The main character is like a super, super modern interpretation of a Wendigo. That's absolutely nothing like the Wendigos of the past, but you know, with the antlers and stuff. Mm -hmm. Some anime are now including Wendigos, and when I was a freshman in college, like uh, in my animation school, uh, my first full animated short, well, at least animatic, uh, the main villain was a Wendigo. So it just seems kind of natural to go with that. It also seems kind of natural to go with monsters. And Cryptid, it's it's like a branch of monsters that you can easily put a name to, like Mothman, Chupacabra, Wendigo, Quetzalcoatl, <laughs> uh, Worm, uh, others that I can't think off of the top of my head because I'm on a, on a really fast mind to train. Um... Uh, all of those are under the name Cryptid, and it's not really a copyrighted thing, so there's nothing to worry about. What about Bigfoot? Or is that is that too played out? I mean, I could someday. Uh, I didn't start with Bigfoot or Mothman because who hasn't tried to make a Bigfoot or Mothman play? Yeah, yeah. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, I hear you. So if Mothman wasn't so overdone, I probably would have done Mothman because everyone knows who Mothman is. Um... So the, the the thing that you went with, now you said that you just kind of just draw them that way automatically. That's just how you tend to make them up. My yeah. Style, uh, my style historically has been cutesy, but now I don't specifically have to do cutesy, but that's just how I draw things naturally. If I'm not trying to pull something off, I will naturally draw something cutesy. Um. So is that the Wendigo? You, you know, 
Uh, before, so that the whole story was how he came up to the Wendigo before I try to get you sidelined again. Oh, sorry. Uh, I came up to the Wendigo because I thought Wendigo's modern interpretation of Wendigo's had some of the most unique designs in the monster kingdom in terms of media. But that's basically what it boils down to. And I sort of have a history of drawing Wendigo's and seeing Wendigo-like creatures. Okay, um, so you said you've seen Wendigo-like creatures, like in oh, not not in real life. I mean, in media. Have you seen anything like that in real life? Uh, I wouldn't think so because I don't generally trust my eyes very much. Because I understand there's a psychology between behind seeing monsters. Like, I don't trust things I see in the corner of my eye because it's probably a rock or probably something, probably something in the corner of my eye. I'm not just, I'm not saying these creatures don't exist. I'm just saying I don't trust my own eyes. Right. Um, well, do you, do you think that they exist? I mean, or do you hope? Because. Like, so, like, Bigfoot, like, I, I mean, I'm really, Bigfoot would be cool, but he's not that interesting, you know? Like, don't get me wrong, it, it's a cool cryptid, but it's still, like, there's cooler animals that we know about that exist already that are just more interesting. But there is still a part of me that wants there to be um, creatures out there. And then if I'm out in the woods and I see something, I'm just going to go ahead and assume it's a chupacabra just because it's more fun that way. <laughs> Yeah, that I mean, I suppose, uh, in a way, I do, but the thing is, is that I don't think they exist in the way that we think they do. So, like, if Mothman exists, it's probably not a Mothman. It's probably some kind of bird. You get what I'm saying? Um, no, nah, I believe they. So, if honestly, how I think that it exists is, uh, I I think that collectively you know, we make it exist and then it exists because we want it to. Like we collaborate as a uh, as a larger consciousness, I guess, as a group, as a tribe of people. or uh, But we make it happen. We make it real. So, um, yes, I guess it is the bird, but that bird turns into Mothman and it might as well be real given the impact that – um, it has on people, you know, you, you have a, a sighting and it comes from somebody who is above making shit up. And then all of a sudden it's, it's very exciting. You know, somebody with credibility says they saw it. Yeah, there's, there's actually also a, a lot of animals that were once cryptids, but turned out to be true. Like most famously the Okapi. Uh, and what's the Okapi? And they were thought to be. What's huh? the... Do you not know what an okapi is? No, I don't. Alright, so an okapi is essentially a hooved, a hooved animal related to giraffes. They ha- sort of have the body of a horse, the head of a giraffe, and the, and the behind of a zebra. They have zebra stripes on their behind. So you can see how that could very easily be part of mythology. It sounds like mythology, the head of a giraffe, the butt yeah, of a horse, the butt like of a Yeah, like a chimera or something. Uh, yeah, kind of. Right. So sometimes they actually do turn out to be real. So it's not, I'm not against the idea. I'm, I, 
I'm sort of like, uh, are they, it's like Schrodinger's box, except instead of the cat being alive or dead, it is the cryptid real or not? Well, there's definitely a difference. Like, that's not for me to say. There's a difference between a cryptid that is just like a, a rare animal, um, you know, like they had those giant apes, these huge apes, and they were like, uh, for a long time, they, I guess considered them a cryptic because they were just stories about them, but they're gi- no, not giant apes. Uh, not, I'm not being like Gigantopithecus. I mean, uh, giant chimps. And these giant chimps, people were talking about seeing them, but they're like, no, they don't exist. Well, they finally found this chimp. That's one thing. But usually with cryptids, especially at uh, the. The ones that are like pure monsters, you get not just like oversized animals. That's what you're talking about. Yeah, right? but you also you have magic. Like when it's a cult, when they have a cult following, Uh-oh. um, they have a magical. Or are you talking about? Are you talking about actual cults? No, no. no. Or are you talking about cult following? Like a cult, you know, like a like a cult movie. You know, like um, a movie just gets a group of people that like a cult. Yeah, classic. yeah. The yeah, cult classic right. cryptids. They all have these kind of like magical uh, authority or magical properties about like the Mothman is magical, Chupacabra is magical. Uh, even the mm-hmm. Wendigo, it's just, they, they're all magical things. Um, skinwalkers, that kind of stuff. You mean supernatural? So Yeah, supernatural, magical. When you're, when you're talking about when you're talking about things that are real life and not part of fiction, then normally the term is supernatural. So, because magical sort of implies something kind of specific, but supernatural includes anything that seems like physically surreal. Yeah, yeah, magical, supernatural. I mean, it even it even goes into. Um, I guess you could even go into realms of psychosis if you want to include like UFOs as part of the cryptid cryptid um, mythology, right? Because we've been. I mean, I could, but it would ha- but I don't think objects are really my forte. I could make aliens into like cryptids because technically they're cryptids. I, could- I mean, there's there's no confirmation that they exist, but there are people that believe in them. So by my definition, they're cryptids. Yeah, that that would be. Uh, you could definitely bounce around semantics there for a while, but just the idea of a. UFO is is almost a um it's got that cryptid element like if somebody sees one it's kind of a oh you know you had that experience where it, it seems very similar to me that same sensation of I saw a fairy or um a UFO or I'm sorry UFO an alien you know or a ball of sky in the light whether it's ball lighting or whatever it is um all that seems mm-hmm. to come from um I don't know. Uh, what do you think? What what part of the human psyche is reaching out to that? Like, why do we like that? Why do we want a cute version of a cannibal? Um, why is that appealing to us? Of like a cannibal monster? Yeah, like why why do we? Uh, you know, why do we have chibi Godzillas and stuff like that? Like, it's just all right. Probably because it is contrary to what we normally think of something. If some if we think of something and there's something that contradicts that, like turning serial killers into cute plushies, a lot of us naturally gravitate towards that because it's unexpected. So it's like ironic. 
Sort of, yeah, it's ironic. Hmm. But I kind of, I kind of like to go with the idea that, like, my the story sort of for cuddly cryptids is that we essentially have domesticated cryptids, and now you can have one as a pet. Right, like a uh, Pokemon, maybe. That's, that's sort of, yeah, that's sort of what I kind of try to pull off on my Instagram. Yeah, the pictures of uh, how you have it set out, hiding around, those are really gorgeous. Yeah, are those it's... just around, uh, hopefully you're not traveling too far. It's been around the Yeah, yeah, I was like, oh. it's, it's, it's all, pretty much all of it, except for that first post, has been around the house because I can't go yeah, anywhere. Yeah. Everywhere's closed. And I can't drive yet. Um, I would have had pictures from Disney World back in February, but I forgot to bring my plush there. So what was the actual process like from, you know, deciding that that's what you wanted to do? Like, I, I know there was a moment yeah. where it was like, okay, this is what I'm doing. Um, and then what, what, what happened from there? Because... You know, I, I have right. some experience starting my own business doing that kind of thing, but in a completely different industry. Um, and so for me, the idea of just getting a toy made and putting it out there, it just it seems really exciting. Like, how come I never thought of that? But it seems really fun. Uh, I probably would have explained. I probably did semi-explain it, but I've been very vague, and I apologize for that. So funny it's another funny story because uh back last year i'm like yo i really want a custom plushie for christmas Mm. last time i got a custom plushie for christmas was four years ago and that's because they're expensive so i'm like i wonder if by now do we have cheaper options for custom plushies and that took me after a while all the way to alibaba.com then i found out a lot of these uh, there's a lot of companies wanting to make custom plushies but mass-produce them. So I'm like, hmm. And that's, how I, and that's how I thought, whoa, I could do something with this. So I'm like, what could I do with this? So uh, I was, I already sort of had plans to make a Mothman plushie, but now I, I could essentially make any monster under the sky. So I thought, hmm, I, there's a lot I could do with this. So I went with cryptids because... Uh, they seem to be very workable. No, yeah, I did. I did. I'm just, uh, I didn't know if you were going to keep going. I was just listening. Yeah, I'm still, no, no, no. I, I'm still enthralled. So, um, but I didn't want to, I didn't want to, uh, sidetrack you. So just in general, you're already a plushy fan. Do you have a lot of plushies, uh, Oh yeah, a ton yeah. of plushies. My half my room is plushies. So you're like a plushie right, expert. Right you know now, the difference between a good one and one out of a fifty cent grab machine. Oh, for yeah. sure. For sure, I know that uh, these Wendigos are good, but the anime plushies are trash. Right. And funny enough, a lot of them are made from the same manufacturer. When I speak with my manufacturer, the production manager. I am very specific with what kind of fabric I want to use. I know these Wendigos use some kind of polyester fur. I'm very specific about what texture I want, what shape I want, which part is what sort of fabric. 
so yeah, I try to make sure everything sort of feels natural. Yes, and I also know the difference between different types of fabrics. Originally, I wanted mink, but mink is very expensive, mm. and polyester fur is just as good. So how has it been in communication with uh, the production manager? Are they pretty good at, I mean, because they do this all the time, so I'm sure, you know, there's not much of a learning uh, curve. Communication-wise, uh, when I actually get the chance to speak to them, it's good because, as you know, most manufacturers are in the opposite side of the world. So there's only like four hours in a day I can actually mm. talk to them. Um, and so you got your first batch in already, uh, correct? Yes, I ordered a batch of 50, four have been... Wow, awesome. And I got, and I've been selling for about four days. It averages out to about four plushies a day. Uh, I was running ads, but I'm not going to anymore because what I found was that a lot of people wanted to buy plushies, but because a lot of people are out of work, they didn't want to, they didn't want to kind of spend the money on something they don't need to survive. So for now, I'm kind of holding off on ads and selling a little bit so that I'm not spending so much on ads when no one's buying. No, I, I think that uh, is extremely smart. That is kind of what I was beating around the bush earlier. It's, I think it's a great idea, but man, it, people are. It is a really bad time. Yeah, the time you look, I'm I'm trying to sell a house and buy a house right now, and it's it's mm -hmm. not fun. So, uh, I wish you the best of luck with it for sure. I think that you're gonna do great, anyways. I mean, if you're already selling some, uh, that's a very good sign. I think that the product itself, um, is coming from somebody who, like you said, you know that you know what a quality plush is, you know what you want from it. And every time I've seen it, it always looks like it's holding up real good. You know, uh, it's a, uh, it looks like a firm, like it's something that I would give to my son and not be too concerned with him tearing it apart or finding it uncomfortable to lay on. It looks really nice. Oh yeah. It is very soft, but I'm actually not entirely sure how to wash mm. it. I want to say it is machine washable, and I want to say all that, but I just haven't really tested. I haven't really tested it. I would say hand wash them just to be safe. Sure. You know. Um, they really don't seem delicate. Yeah, I don't imagine this is probably going to go in too many like, young children's rooms. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This isn't something I would even really recommend <laughs> for kids yeah. because some kids would actually be kind of scared of faces like these. They're not really my demographic anyway. My demographic are more like teens and young adults. Um, People who would frequent Hot Topic. Yeah. <laughs> Hot Topic. And so have you thought about uh, reaching out to them now that you have a proof of product? I mean, I, I think that would probably be a, a good next step. You know, um, you have the you have the product already. You, you can show uh, basically that it sells. Um, so have you thought about moving on to maybe not – uh, online sales, but trying to get it put in a store in a place like Hot Topic or Spencer's, um, even if it is just it, on their website, you know. That that would be nice, but the thing is that I wouldn't want to pitch something like this to them unless I can show them statistics and sales that, hey, this actually sells. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
because I'm actually not entirely sure. It seems Hot Topic is very artist-friendly, but uh, I still want to be as professional as possible. No. And I don't only want to sell to Hot Topic. Uh, one of the things I kind of mentioned on my website, actually it's a whole, it's sort of a whole section, is that something that inspired me to make these plushies are those creepy tourist shops that are in those haunted forest type places. Places that are in like Georgia, North Florida, the mystic towns that are mostly in Florida. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they have the shops that sell supernatural-ish stuff. I kind of always imagined I'd one day see my plushies there, especially for the creatures that are specific to that sort of area. So if I were to sell in Florida, I would probably sell like skunk ape or something. What's a skunk ape? It's Bigfoot. (laughs) That's an awful name for Bigfoot. I sort of thought it was an ape with a white stripe down its back, but apparently it's not. In um, that'd be way cool. <laughs> yeah, it would uh, in where where bears get into the trash, they stink like skunks. So they can kind of have a big foot. That it just made me think of that. They kind of they kind of have a big foot. Um, I can see the name, you know, having kind of a bear walking around on hind legs, but it's stinking like skunk. They stink really bad. Uh. But what's interesting is that supposedly there is photographic evidence of skunk ape, like really clear photographic evidence. But I found that out four years ago, and for all I know, that picture could have been proven false by now. Because, you know, half the things you thought were real back in 2015 with all those supernatural videos are like top 15 scariest ghost sightings, and like now half of them turned out to be fake. More than half of them turn out. To be um, so, are you into that as far as like the supernatural in general? Do you like just uh, the paranormal, uh, mysticism, uh, kind of like the occult spirituality? Does that have any appeal mm-hmm. to you at all? I mean, because if you're going to put your uh, semi, semi, because I I would I will look them up sometimes, but watching videos of it. I am extremely sensitive to sound and I'm extremely sensitive to atmosphere. So those videos probably freak me out way more than they should, even though I know they're fake half the time. And that's also why I don't do haunted houses, because I don't like people in my face. Uh, you remind me of my wife, actually. She She's also very sensitive to uh, atmosphere. And, I, you know, sometimes I'll just want to watch a scary movie um and this is like nope <laughs> i was like come on especially at night like maybe i can get away with it at like 8 a.m right with the windows wide open and it's middle of the day but it, it, i barely got her recently uh to watch tremors so it's interesting that you mentioned that because i know somebody who's like that as well um well, I have uh, I have autism, so maybe I would be more into it if I didn't have it. But in terms of like supernatural stuff, to me it almost seems natural. My mom is actually a Wiccan. So that's also kind of just something that's natural, you know? Like the crystals and all that. I... That's what you're talking about. I associate the crystals and stuff with mysticism and uh, the occult with like uh, sort of the stuff. I'm well, okay. Um, 
so uh, the occult basically is just going to be any kind of mystery knowledge. Then that can include mysticism. Uh, for instance, say like uh, a Wiccan, they might a Wiccan group or pagans they might work with uh, ancient knowledge that's supposed to be hidden, right? Like only people in that coven would know this knowledge. So anytime it's a situation where it's like that, that generally you would call that the occult but just like the supernatural thing from earlier you know if you want to subdivide it into different semantics and you can have like the paranormal occult you can have like uh, the magical occult that's more focused around western um occultism like actual spellcraft that kind of thing or uh new age where it's more about crystals and energy healing um, which is actually what i they're called bunnies, but I actually like that more. Uh, it's all cool to me, but the new age stuff seems to be more centered around natural elements. Like you mentioned, uh, the crystals and uh, it, just in general, the people seem to be a little bit more keyed in on interpersonal relationships, you know, uh, not necessarily personal gain, which you can get from some other occult, occult like um thoughts you know thought processes where you're going like what you want to accomplish with the occult i think all that is fine and dandy as long as you're not when it comes to crystal healing i think it's fine it's all fine and dandy because they can make you feel good as long as you don't use it as a substitute for like um so it's funny that it's funny that you mentioned that because i'm uh my my wife is a nurse practitioner and so anytime I come across uh, anything <laughs> that makes a claim, you know, that it's helping you in a way that is uh, just maybe not very fair to make, she's pretty quick to point it out. So I do have the benefit of that. Um, not that I'm not that I'm one to believe just everything on the outside. I tend to believe everything equally, equally, which isn't very much. But uh, that is one thing that I do also find irritating are when it when it crosses the line from being like a fun thing to do and think about to, well, now you're actually trying to heal physical disabilities you should see a doctor about, you know. Trying to cure autism <laughs> assist. Thankfully, I did not. But have there's, people, like that. there's people there's <laughs> people that cling to that. I know. Yeah, I mean, that. well, maybe not amethyst specifically, but well, no, I mean, stuff. you're you're not too far off the mark because uh, if you're doing crystal magic, each crystal represents different types of clarity or purpose, right? An amethyst would serve one purpose, and a quartz would serve another, and then they go on, and they're more complicated, and you can mix them, and and people go so far as to um, put them in their drinking water. Uh, I keep one by my window to help me lucid dream. Um, and for me, uh, uh, a placebo is as good as the real thing. So, and I also like the idea that if you believe something in spite of it, you can still get some power over it, but no, 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 you're fine. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. When it comes to stuff like the crystals effects on things, I actually kind of believe it to some extent because at least in rock places, 
rock stores, it's usually something general, like, oh, the prosperity, wealth, you know, something that could be interpreted many different ways. So one time I was at Disney, uh, there's a place there called Old Town, and that's General Town. Uh, There's a rock store there. And throughout the time, uh, throughout that trip, I was actually trying to get Pokemon. So I was actually, I actually spent like six months trying to get a shiny Dratini in Pokemon Soul Silver, And I'm like, dang, hey, which one of these rocks is for good luck? I think they said Jade or something. Uh, Jade was hecka expensive. So I got the next best thing, which was some other green rock that I don't remember what it was called. Uh, I got that tree, and that very same car trip, I got the shiny Pokemon hey. for six months. There might be some to it, right? Yeah, when it comes to luck, I, I, I do like rocks. Also, I just like rocks. And uh, I, I have a bismuth, and so what I do is I, I boil down bismuth, and as it cools, I separate it, and it separates into a specific a specific structure. Um, and I usually mail them out to the people I have come on. So I have a backlog of episodes. I've been trying to wait a week between episodes, but I think I'm just going to go ahead and start dropping them because it seems to the time scale seems to not be making very much sense with how much availability is out there. But anyways, anyways. Um, I'll, I'll send you a picture of it on my, uh, it's on my Instagram, but they're these businesses. So if you like them, if you're interested in them, I'll send you one. Um, they're not very big. They're, they're, they're pretty small, uh, but they're cool. So if you, if you're, I'm a big fan of rocks. I carry, I have, uh, fossils, um, crystals, uh, any, if it just looks cool, I'll pick it up and stick it in my pocket. Uh, my kid is the same way. So we got them all over the place. So. I'll send you a picture of one, and if you're interested, when things settle down, I'll, I'll send you one. Um, uh, when do you think things will settle down? I know this doesn't have much to do with anything, but I like asking different people. Well, uh, so what happened was, after this point in the show, Kaylee and I basically got off track for about an hour and uh, longer than that maybe because by the time we got back to what we were going to talk about and close the show, the app actually stopped recording and I, and I feel pretty bad about that. So she did tell you uh, where to reach her, the best way to reach her, why you should reach her. Uh, it just didn't get recorded. So uh, I'm sorry if I don't do her due justice, but these... Cuddly cryptid things are awesome. I I was immediately fascinated with it when I when I saw it, and I reached out to her. She was very cool. Um, having her on the show was very cool. I love talking to her. We obviously got along really well. Otherwise, we wouldn't have spoke so long over time about other stuff that maybe didn't necessarily pertain to why we even started the podcast to begin with. But that's a pretty good sign, though. Um, as far as meeting someone you like, you know, and that's kind of why. I really got into podcasting because I wanted to talk to interesting people, get distracted, and go off on tangents. Uh, however, it's probably not fair for you to listen to me bitch and complain about every other little thing or, or, or whatnot. So, uh, again, her website is cuddlycryptus.com. It's spelled how it sounds. If you can't show any financial support, then uh, maybe reach out if you like what she has and just tell her that you like it. Uh, at a time like this, 
Obviously, the economy is in a downward uh, spiral, probably not going to recover anytime soon. So I really can't blame anybody for not spending money that they don't really have. But being nice does matter, and those kind words go a long way, especially at a time like this when they seem to be far and few in between. So on that note, people, I love every single one of you. Uh, I know we haven't met each other, but I promise you that I do. So please, please, please be safe. Tuck your kids in. If you don't have kids, tuck yourself in. Wash your hands. Tell the people that you love, that you do love them. And just be good to each other. Be kind, you know. Float your boat, but do it in a way that um, is easy and peaceful.